We are back with another episode of Locked In with the Inbic. On this week's episode, I interview Bill Stacks, who at 13 years old joins a gang in Connecticut and between the ages of 13 and 33 is arrested a total of 26 times. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to this on our audio streaming platforms, leave us a review. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Locked In with Ian Bick. Bill Stacks, welcome to the show, man. Thanks I for get, having me, man. I appreciate it. I gotta ask, is Stacks your la- actual last name? No. It's not. What is your actual last name? Pascarelli. Pascarelli. Oh, that's Italian? Yeah. That's awesome. You look like the very Italian part right now with the with the suit and the uh, all in black and everything. Yeah, some people think I'm uh, involved with the mob and all that, but I'm not. Not at all. Gotcha. So let's start at the beginning of your story. Where are you from? What's your childhood like growing up? So I'm from Bristol, Connecticut. My childhood was okay. Um, I grew up with my mom. My, I had a stepfather. My real father left before I was born. I got an older brother, younger sister. Um, growing up, was it was all right, man. I, I was getting in trouble at a young age. I didn't really have a lot of guidance, and um, I gravitated towards the wrong people very young. I got my first tattoo when I was like 13 years old. 13 and, years um, old, wow. Yeah, I was going from the pro. There was a, a pretty notorious projects right close to where I lived, so I would run over to there and hang out with kids and they would send me to go buy drugs and, and alcohol. And this was back in the day when your mom would send you to the store with a note to go get cigarettes and things. And you'd be like 10 years old and they wouldn't care. They would sell it to you. So what year is this, just to put it into perspective? 93. 93. And are you guys growing up like poor, middle class, upper class? What's the dynamic? Lower middle class. And are you close with your mom at that point in time? Yeah. We're, we're, um, we're, we're on food stamps and things like that. We have to go to the, a certain place, like a church, to get cereal. We live in a, um, you know, like a government-assisted housing. But my mother always worked. She worked for UConn growing up, so she always provided everything I could possibly want. But I didn't want that stable home environment. I wanted to run in the streets with it older kids and I wanted to be involved with with just mischievous things. Were you close with your siblings too? Not really. No, my brother was more like a skateboarder. He would be out doing his things with his friends and my sister was younger so she would be off playing with her friends. So I wanted to be around kids who were older than me. It was always influenced by older people. And um you know, drinking young, 10 years old, I started drinking. Yeah, what's it like to drink at 10 years old? I wasn't, I don't think I had a sip of alcohol till I was like 16 or 17, honestly. Like my father would be, my, I call him my father, my stepfather. I grew up with him. He was very abusive. Uh, he would be watching a game and he would get up and go to the bathroom and I'd take sips off his beer. He'd come back and I'd be in back of his chair waiting for him to go to the bathroom again. And um, when I felt the effects of alcohol, I liked it. And um, I was drinking every chance I could get. And I would be in trouble. I would drink at school. I'd get in trouble. My mother would be called. And this has happened around seventh grade, you know. And uh, the first major time I got in trouble, 
I threw a match in a dumpster. I was with a bunch of kids and, uh, you know, you want to look cool in front of people. So I threw a match in a dumpster, caught on big fire and uh, I'm telling all these kids that I did it. They told on me and I ended up getting in trouble for it. But um, they tell me you're grounded for the summer. It really didn't matter to me. You know, I would sneak out when my, my mom would go to sleep and um, she, she would always tell me there'd be one day you're going to do something. I'm not going to be able to help you. And that day did come. So around 13, I um, started getting involved with gangs. And a lot of my friends were involved with uh, the 20 Love Gang in Connecticut. It was uh, pretty big at one point. Um, there's the Los Salitos, 20 Love, Pump Nation, Latin Kings. And they were the majority of the gangs in Bristol at the time. This is around 94, 95. So I ended up joining 20 Love. And what does that mean to like join the gang? So first you're hanging around with them and they want to see what you're about and what you're going to do. Like if you're willing to do things to, uh, you know, further your advancements in the, in the organization. So you hang out with them at first and then they see if you're, you're down for the cause. And then they, they put you to the test and see if you're, you're willing to do certain things. What was your first test to join this gang? So there was these guys walking down the street. They were big, muscly guys. And I'm a younger kid. I'm young and I'm small. I'm a white kid. I'm hanging out with these uh, mixed race. It was a mixed race gang. The majority black when the gang started, but it, it started taking on mixed races. And um, these kids would have guns and... Uh, we're walking down the street and they tell me I have to walk up to one of these guys and punch him. And I'm, I'm scared. Like, I'm like, if this guy grabs me, I was like, what's gonna happen? He's gonna beat the crap out of me. Like, and, and I don't know if they're gonna back me up or what, but so I just can't, I just ran up to him and hit him. Just the guy didn't do anything to you guys. Nope. Two guys you were just walking had to go down do the street, it. run up to him and hit him. And you're 13 years 13 old. 13 years old. And what do you think that was like the cool thing that like you wanted to be a part I of this game? I wanted to like show them that I'm willing to do this. But what was like the, the mindset behind that? Like why? What do you think it was in your head that you wanted to be a part of this gang that bad that you would do something like that? I just wanted to be accepted. And do you think that came from like your parents not accepting you? Maybe like your dad leaving? Do you think there was like a root on that level? Yeah, I think I was looking for people to be like, he's one of us. Like, it's okay. Like, he's, he's good. He's with us. I wanted that. I, want, I was looking for that for a long time. Were you bullied in like middle school or yeah, high school? terribly. Mm -hmm. Like all the time, man. So this yeah. was like something to get away from like that bullying. I mean, like, I know what it and, was like. And it was when I was getting bullied, it was the opposite gang members. It was people that were in Pum Nation and, and uh, Latin King. So once this gang came around, the 20 Love, I, I was like, these are the people I gravitate towards because they're the ones that are opposed to the people who've been bullying me all this time. Yeah. So that's who I gravitated towards. So you do that, you get initiated. We So that happens. We go into this building. Now- this apartment building that we were hanging at, it was one of the older members' apartment. He ends up getting arrested. They take him away. So we take over this apartment. So now we're in the apartment and they say, all right, you did that. Now we got to go into the front room. It's empty. It's basically an empty apartment. It's got a couch in there and, the, and a, a mattress on the floor. It's just like a crack house. And um, we have pit bull dogs in there where we have dogs that we're, are going to have puppies and we're going to sell them. We got all these big dreams and plans, right? So we go into the front room and there's a bunch of kids in there. They're, 
I mean, they're, they're different ages from mid-20s all the way down to 14. And this is the initiation is I got to go in this room and I got to fight three people. We, I have to stand my own against these people. Now I'm scared again. Now I know, what, I know what's going on with them. It's, it's always about fighting. It's to see if you can, you can handle your own. So they make you fight each other. You have to, like, they put a timer and they go, go. And you guys are just fighting. So it's a bunch of people on one person and you're fighting these people and this guy comes and you're fighting. And if you fall, they, they wait for you to get back up. It's to, like, build toughness in you, I guess. And um, once that was over, then I felt like I was accepted. Then they embraced me. We, there was a liquor truck that was delivering alcohol to a store and we ended up stealing bottles of alcohol from the truck, running off and uh, getting drunk inside the, inside the apartment. I remember the next morning, we would wear beads to um, show people who we were with. So that's like the bandana button bead for? Yeah, okay. we, we would have bandanas, but the beads were the major thing back then. A lot of Latin Kings and Los Salitos and 20 Love. Our colors were green and black. And um, Pump Nation was red, green, and black. So we had kind of a problem with them. It was over the color situation. Now, are you still in high school at this time or do you drop out? How, how does that go down? I'm in middle school and I'm on my way into high school. And um, so when I join, I'm in middle school. We're doing a bunch of crazy things. I mean, it, it's every day is crazy. I'm going to school and I think they're just pushing me through school. I'm not even really doing work. I'm just doing enough to get by, but they're passing me with, you know, mediocre grades. And I get to high school and I get involved with guns and, you know, buying guns from people. The first gun I bought, I was in uh, middle school, bought it off a kid named Steve for 25 bucks. I told my mother I was going to the movies. I gave him the money. For 25 bucks. 25 bucks for a 25 semi-automatic. That's crazy. Yeah, he stole it when he was babysitting. And he sells me the gun. So now I'm walking around with it like I'm, I'm a gangster. You thought you were cool having the gun, this yeah. and that? Me and my cousin would sneak out at night and run around the town with the gun. One night the cops shined a light on us and we ended up throwing it in the river. <laughs> and, and that was ended out. Did you go and get another gun after, or that was like the one there, and done? There was plenty. Yeah. Like throughout the years, there was plenty of committing robberies and home invasions, and it, it just culminated, and, and um, the crimes escalated pretty fast. It was that easy for a teenager to get a gun, though? Very easy. Now, do you right think in school. I see the kid Steve in school. I say, hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, I stole a gun from uh, the person I was babysitting last night. I said, I want to buy it. I got 25 bucks. I'll meet you after school. Boom, it was that easy. Do you think that was because of like the neighborhood you guys were growing up in? Or do you think it was everywhere in Connecticut at that time? Anywhere. You could you could get a gun anywhere. They yeah. were available. Like so it, there was times when I bought them off people in school. Off They got their parents' gun and they sold it to me. That's just insane. I mean, like the high school, I went to Danbury High School and you weren't just like easily accessibly getting a gun. Like if you ask someone, someone's going to go and report that you're asking around. So they, one kid sold me his gun, his parents' gun, and um, they call me. His parents call me, say, I want, we want the gun. 
And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they telling me, this kid's dead now, he overdosed. Um, they tell me, we want the gun, we're gonna call the police and say that you, um, he sold you the gun. I go, I don't know what you're talking about, please stupid. And I ended up selling it off, but it, it was like, damn, this dude told on me. That was like your first experience of someone actually like snitching it yeah, in that yeah, room. Yeah, telling on me, like, come on, man, you told that. But the cops didn't get involved or anything. It was just his mom asking for the gun back. But still, it was like. Does your mom know you're a part of this gang? I think so. Oh, yeah. So it, there wasn't like a conversation of her sitting you down saying, hey, you need to stop doing what you're doing. And Well, yeah, it got to that point. So I was off running the streets a lot. And she told me, I'll get, you're going to get into some stuff that I'm not going to be able to get you out of. So we're stealing cars a lot. Like, I'd wake up in the morning, my goal is to steal a car, go somewhere else, steal another car. We had have, have um, uh, routines that we would do. We'd wake up. I had a church parking lot where I would park the cars. We would steal them and leave them in this church parking lot. It was a really good spot. And at church parking lots, we would steal a lot of cars from there. I feel terrible about it now, but... It, that was a, a, a really easy place to get cars. Yeah, how do you steal a car as a teenager? And then what do you do with it after? So we would neck them. We would neck the cars with a screwdriver. You, you crack out the tilt steering, pop out a gear, and you could start an Oldsmobile. There's Cherokees, all kinds of cars can start like that certain years. And um, we would either joyride them, smash them up, or we would get high-end cars and sell them to a chop shop. And... We started doing this a lot and we would go out and eat at restaurants and dine and dash. Back then you can um, pay for your gas after. You could pump first and, and then pay. So we would pump the gas, act like we're looking for the take off. And no one's batting an eye that a 13 year old's bringing a car to the, to the chop shop. I, I mean, these people that we're dealing with are not people that are they're, savory. You yeah, know? they're pretty scummy people. The guy, so th this is a good one, man. I there's a guy named Mo. I'm not gonna say his whole name, but you know, you know who you are. He's about 26 years old at the time. Um, 14. We steal a car, and uh, I think it was like an Oldsmobile or something. We get into a high speed chase, and um, I'm driving right and. He tells me to pull over, let him drive. So I, I pull over the car, he gets in, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat. I don't have my seatbelt on, the music is playing, he's driving. And all of a sudden I, I feel the car like go like that. And I look up and, and we're like sliding right into the car in front of us. I'm like, whoa, what, what are you doing, man? And he cuts the wheel to the left and he slammed on the brakes and we're sliding. And it kicks to the, the left lane and, and it's a GTI Golf. Bam, we just smash head on into him. Now this is out in um, uh, Danielson out over near Rockville. And I wake up and I have blood all over me, my hands cut. I look over and this guy's knocked out. I'm trying to shake him and wake him up. The car is still going tick, tick, tick and there's smoke everywhere. I grab the screwdriver and he's getting up. He has like a cartoon sized knot on his forehead. He gets out of the car. We, we start getting out of the car and there's snow on the ground and people are starting to get out of their car and it's like an old country road and they're pulled over and they're getting out of their cars. I jump out of the car and I have blood all over me, all over my pants. And um, it's me and a black dude out in the country town. 
everyone's looking like, Where are you, what are you doing? I'm like, come on, man. And we just start running down the street. And uh, we dart off into a field and it's snow and like, you know, bushes around the field and we're running through the field. And we get to a river, we trudge through the river and it's cold. We get to the other side and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna knock on this door and try to see if we use the phone. So we get to the door and my friend sees car keys in, in the window. And he's like, I'm gonna smash the window and take, we'll take the car, get out of here. I'm like, no, nah, man, don't do that. It's just gonna make things worse. Like I'm trying to just get out of here easy. Like no, no bullshit. And um, no one's at this house. We're knocking, knocking, no one's there. So we go to the next door and there's a guy working on his truck and he's just sitting there working, an old guy. So we walk up and I go, excuse me, sir. And he turns around and he's looking at me like, oh, because I got blood on me. And he, he um, I go, can I use your uh, phone? I got bit by a dog. I got blood all <laughs> over my face. It's obviously I got in a car accident. And um, the old man's just looking at me like, and I'm like, why is he looking at me like that? And I turn around, there's a cop with a gun right, right to my head. Oh, wow. He's like, don't move. And I'm just like, and I'm, I'm, so I'm cocky at this point, right? I'm like, this is like my badge of honor. I, I'm going to prison now. This, this is, is the like, first time you're going to get first, arrested. First time I'm getting like processed through a real jail. And, and I'm only 14. <clears throat> so I'm telling my Mo, I'm telling him, I'll take all the charges. Don't worry. Where, where's your friend? He ran off on the no, cops. No, he's with me. So the he's cops with, got both of you guys. Both of oh, us there's multiple cops. The okay. Yeah. Wow. And um, he's like, he just like, yeah, nodding, yeah, yeah. So I go into court. I'm all cocky. And this is juvenile court. Yeah. yeah. No, this is Rockville juvenile, but they're arraigning me in a, you know, they arraign you in a regular court and they're like, oh, he's a juvenile. They get everything in order. So I, I get to the court and um, the lady comes in the door and I, I go, uh, she said something to me and I go, you could suck my, and she, and she was like, what? She goes, I'm the bail commissioner. And then she walks away. And, and the people that are in the, in the holding cell are like, you fucked up. And they, they um, revoked the bond, no bond. What's your mom yeah. saying to you? Like when you get arrested? So they would not let me talk to her. Nothing. They yeah. they um they give me a phone call just to call and say I just told her I'm in trouble. She's screaming, and that was it. I gotta go. And I think she drove all the way out to the court, and uh, she was trying to get me out and stuff. And when I said that to the bail commissioner, they were like, "No, he's going to jail." So they sent me to Harford Correctional Center. Uh, 13, 14 years 14 old. 14 years old. They put me in dorm four with all the grown-ups. And how long are you in there for? Uh, 30 days. Thir it was time. a 30-day sentence? Thir first time. It, so it wasn't a sentence. I, it was was just, just, I was just pending till the case goes to court. So she's like, I'm going to teach him a lesson. And I don't know why they didn't put me in the youth part. At first, they, they put me in dorm four and it's cages in a dorm with grown-ups and they're like why are you here people everyone's like why are you here and and no one messed with me then are you flexing your like your gang status and no, stuff no not at that point i'm kind of scared i'm like 
I'm like, no, I'm not gonna. So you're like, you got a big ego, but you don't at the same time. Well, so you, yeah, you're trying to figure shit both out. sides, man. Yeah, you're out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So what's it like to be 14 years old in like this the state holding detention center? How are you navigating it? I'm scared. Like I'm trying to use the phone, and these dudes aren't letting me use the phone. Are they picking on you? Not really. No, the older inmates are looking out for me because I was the youngest one in the whole the whole dorm. I don't. I wasn't supposed to be in this dorm. Yeah. So eventually, I think about a week goes by and they transfer me to the youth block and they go, you're in for a fucking wake up call. So I walk in and it's it's pretty crazy in there. They're they're bullying kids. They're, you know, jumping them, beating them up in the shower, making them do push ups, making them like, you know, dance and shit, stupid shit that kids do to each other. Really. uh Really bad things, man. They will rub nair on your on your eyebrows and things like that. And uh, they were it was uh, fighting in there in the youth block, just fighting. Then I go back to court, and uh, my mom's in court, and the court says if we send him, if we if we let him go with you, can uh, you take him up to New Hampshire, live with his grandma? And maybe maybe all this uh, gang stuff can die down. That's know? what the court's telling your mom. Yeah. Did she propose that? She all? agrees. She agrees. I'll take him there and he'll be away from this. You guys never see him again. Your mom's probably sick over this because she, she had a lot of love for you and you're oh, giving man. her this such a hard time. But yeah, I'm telling you, it got way worse, man. Yeah. Way worse. So do you go to New Hampshire at that yeah. point? I go to New Hampshire. And that doesn't help. Doesn't help. So how does it progress? Like, how do you go from like this kid that just gets arrested to little like scared straight type thing that doesn't work and now you're so, getting arrested multiple times? I go to New Hampshire. I'm there for about a month. She's like, I can't deal with him. Send him back. Your so, grandma said that. Yeah. You were that bad. I was bad. I was stealing cigarettes at the gas. They're making her look bad, you know, doing things yeah. like shouldn't have been doing. So I go back. First thing I do. Back to the gang? Right to that apartment. Yeah. But they're all gone. I'm at the apartment. They're all gone. And it kind of made me feel like, what, what the hell? But I end up linking back up with them. And uh, so we're out doing some pretty major crimes together. And um, I'll send you some pictures. <laughs> you have um, pictures of all of this? Yeah. Tech wow. nines and drugs and craziness so what are you guys doing like what's an average day in in this gang we'd be in a wake up in the apartment there'd be puppies in there pit bulls people would be there to buy them we'd be selling drugs in the apartment drinking we it's just like one big party are you guys making money like do you get paid for I being mean, in this it's not we had dues to pay you would have to pay a, a weekly due every Every week. Yeah, but you're 14, 15 years old. Didn't right? matter. You had to find a way to get it. This is a, this is so crazy. It'd be a certain amount of money you have to pay every week. And if you don't have the money, now if you made a, an infraction in the gang, you would have to get disciplined. And the way they discipline you is they make you put your hands against the wall and they get two people in back of you and they punch you in your ribs and your back and they, they count down a clock. And if you put your hands down, the clock starts over. So if you, cre if you do something wrong, then like 
that's what happens to you. Did you ever have to get disciplined? Yeah. What did you do a, to get disciplined? So I got disciplined for unnecessary beef. Oh, well, who did you start beef with? Someone else in the in the gang or in a rival gang? It was a rival gang. So we had a meeting. We're at we're at this apartment, and the the, the gang leader is telling us. If you guys see anybody that's in Palm Nation, it's a green light, set it off on them. That's it. It's a green light. So that to me, that means if I see them in the street, I got to react and do something. So one day I'm driving with my friend and I see one of them. He's in a pizza restaurant eating with his, his baby's mother and he's with his kid. And I run in there and I punch him in his face in the pizza place in front of his kid, his his baby's mother tried to protect him it was crazy his baby's mother was trying to fight me in the pizza place that don't do this in here and he wasn't trying to do nothing and they found out about it so they they said that you were causing unnecessary beef and i'm like well what about the meeting you had telling me green light on all these dudes and, and all that went out the window so you're really just doing whatever to fit in be cool and be a part of something. Yeah. It's like a family in that sense. Yeah. What's like the age group of this gang? Is it like, are you the youngest? And how old does it get? Well, so I, I'm going on through the years. By this time, I'm probably 17. It's all the way from 13 to 38. There's 38 30. year olds. Yeah. And they're grownups with they're, young kids selling drugs. Beating up like a, a, a teenager who's yeah. in this. That's crazy, man. That's this is like a whole different lifestyle and stuff. It was, it was bad. So, what are so, like some of the other times you get arrested while you're in this gang? So, the major time I got arrested. So before, so what happened was, I had a really good friend. He was the vice president of this gang. He thought I was sleeping with his girlfriend. So these dudes are like, we're gonna lure him to the park, and we're gonna, we're gonna. I don't know if they tried to wanted to kill me. I don't know what their plan was. These are my own gang members. These are the people in the, the gang I was in. So they, they call me one day. And at, by this time, I'm 17 years old. I'm the sergeant of arms. I have all the guns. And they call me and they tell me we're going to meet these girls in Page Park in Bristol. So I get in the car. We drive to the park. I get out. And I'm thinking we're meeting some girls up in this trail. They're like, yo, the girls are over here. I was totally oblivious. I had no clue. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, where? Dude turns around and just hits me. And I'm just, I, mean, I, I was shocked. I didn't know what was going on. So I put my hands up and I start fighting them. But they rushed me, man. There was like seven of them. There was a lot of dudes. And they, they beat the shit out of me really bad stomping my head, kicking my body for a long time. I don't need, I couldn't even tell you how long it was. It was it was a dark trail with woods. So they're kicking me, stomping me, and uh one dude's holding my leg up while the other dude's jumping on it, trying to break my leg. <clears throat> At the end of it, they pull my shoe off and throw it in my face. They're spitting on me and then they they walk away. And I pick myself up and I just walk home. I knock on my brother's door on the way to my house and his, his baby's mother answered the door like, oh my God, I was all bloody and purple. She, they didn't even recognize me. So I just went home and um, I was like, I'm gonna kill them all. I'm gonna kill all these dudes. 
So the next day, I get a phone call, and it's the girl that they said I was sleeping with. And I wasn't. It was all a lie. And um, the person who brought me into the gang, I li like, we were really cool. Like, I liked him. We, we, he was like, they call it your big homie. It's the person who, like, brings you in. And shout out to you, man. <laughs> I don't want to say his name because, you know, he might not be involved with things. I don't even know. He could be dead. But um, he, uh, she calls me like, what happened? Why'd they do that? And I'm like, I don't want to know. What it, like, get the hell out of here. So she tries to come to my house. And I'm aiming a gun at her out the window. And um, they, she, they convince me to go. And I get in the car. And they bring me to the house where all these dudes are. And I'm scared they're going to, like, finish me off. I didn't know what, what was going on. And uh, so I walk up and they're having a meeting and it's a lot of them. Like I, I know if they turn on me now, I'm done. And are you armed? Do you have a gun on yeah. you? Yeah. And I walk up and uh, I'll, I'll call him T. T says, uh, yo, it, it's messed up what they did. He's like, I wanna make it right. I'm gonna have you pick who is gonna bounce who and we're gonna try to take care of all this. So let's just take care of this. Pick who you want to discipline you for doing what they did to you. And are you like bleeding, covered in blood? I'm, I'm just swelled up. You're just I'm, swelled like, up. Like I'm already cleaned up, but I'm I'm like really beat up bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm like in, in the grocery store, like I'm a UFC fighter. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm a professional. You got like the pair of the ribeye on your face, oh, icing man, it down. It was bad, dude. So what, what happens? What, what goes down? So they end up bouncing each other. And, and at the end of it, they're like, we're good, right? And I'm like, no. Like, I just don't feel like we're not good anymore, man. I don't, I don't trust you guys no more. And um, they let me walk away. And I walked away. But before this, I didn't tell you this part. Before this, I'm committing an armed home invasion. With the same gang? No. This is with someone that wasn't in this gang. On so, your own, yeah. This is some, I was with somebody who was in the Los Alitos at the time. Now, the Los Alitos was a cousin of 20 Love. So we were like, uh, you know, they're like sister clubs. Like they help each other out and they call each other cousins. So this kid calls me over. Yo, I know where this dude's got money and uh, he's got weed. We can go get it. So I'm like, all right. So I bring a 10 gauge sawed off shotgun to his house and I bring shells with me. So I tell him, he's like, let me carry the gun. And I'm like, all right. So I give him the gun and I have camouflage on. And uh, he's like, we're just gonna go over there and I'm gonna go in there and grab the weed and, and leave. He, he said the kid owed him money or weed or something like that. So, um, We go over and I'm in back of him and we walk up and he knocks on the door. The lady opens the door and she looks down, sees the gun poking out of his pocket. And uh, she screams like a high scream. She's trying to close the door and there's people in the house trying to close the door. So we're, I'm trying, I'm like my reaction, push the door, try to get in there. So it's like a wrestle for the door. And eventually 
they get the door shut and it closes and, it, and I can't open it or nothing. So I'm like, let's go. So they're screaming still and uh, it, it's um, um, projects. So it's a front project hallway and we run out of the front and there's cop cars and the cops are like, don't move. So I'm, I'm like, I run and I just run around the building and I'm right with this guy and we're running and I never told this part, but I think I tried to take a moped <laughs> as I'm running from the cops. I don't know why. I thought that would like get me away from them faster, but it, it wasn't working and I threw it and I just kept running and the cops are right in back of me. Now this kid that I was doing this with, he lives in the same project. We run around the building down into the back door and I'm like on my ass down the stairs and I get up. And uh, I run into his house and I'm stuffing shotgun shells in his couch. And he takes the gun, throws it behind the door. And um, I'm throwing the shells in and the door flies open. Boof, and it's the cops, don't move. <laughs> and I'm like this and the shells are falling out of my hands. They charged me with hindering prosecution for that. And um, You got jail time for that? Yeah, I went to prison. This because is my you, first time going to prison, prison for. Because you already had a record too. So, yeah, so I, I had the stolen cars. They said, you get in trouble within this certain amount of time. Yeah, like the accelerated rehabilitation and Now, shit. the one with my grandma, that was when I was young. That was 14. In between that, I got caught with a stolen car in uh, Terryville, the town over from Bristol. How many times are you arrested? Let's put it that way as a teenager, because there's so many times. So how many times would you say? So as a teenager, maybe five and over the course of your entire life? 26. That's a lot of times. 26 times I've been arrested. I know it's a, it's a lot. And what was the longest like prison sentence you got out of those 26 times? Two years. Two years? Was that this scenario? So I had to serve two years, but on and off altogether, probably five years altogether. Five years altogether? Altogether. Well, yeah. What did you do to commit the two-year um, sentence? Home invasion. That was the one we were just talking yeah, about? Yeah. How old are you when that happened? Because you said it was- 17 years old. You're 17. You got a two-year prison sentence at yeah. 17 years old. Yeah. What does your mom say to you? She, so she's beside herself at this point. So what happens is I get arrested. I go to court. The bond's $10,000 back then. It was a lot of money. Now it would be a million. I wouldn't even be able to get out probably. This is kind of early 2000s. This is 2001. Or no, no, this is uh, 97. This is 1997. And you're done, no high school, dropped out, whatever happened. I'm in high school when this happens. Okay, so that's so probably this takes me up. right out of high school. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I can't go back. I have to serve this time. And then, so my mother gets me out on bond. I'm in, I'm in Hartford Correctional Center in the YO block for, I think, six months. She gets me out. And uh, now when I'm out on bond... I get beat up. They get, they beat me up. That was when that incident happened. Yeah, while I'm out on bond. So, but I'm still committing crimes. You just don't learn. <laughs> you just keep rocking it. Yeah, like well, I'm telling you, I committed another home invasion. What's your mentality? Like, what's per, what's driving you to do all of this? Is it I, still like the, the 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 wanting to be wanted, or do you just think you're on top of the world and this is what you're good at? When I was no, I knew I wasn't good at it because I was always getting caught and always getting in trouble. And uh, 
I think I, I really, when I was younger, I really didn't care about life. I didn't care about living to the next day. I figured I could live all my energy and all my, um, I could have all my fun now. Who cares about later? I'm not going to be around later and enjoy it. I want to do it now. That's how I felt. And um, when these dudes kind of betrayed me, it was like, uh, I got no one else. So, and then I have to go to prison. Now I have to go to prison without this gang backing me up. Are you using the gang card in prison now? At that, by that time I am. So how does with, that work? With the stolen cars. Yeah. When I'm in the stolen cars, I am. So like, you're, you go into prison, yeah. you got nothing, you're in a gang, they're feeding you, they're giving you soap, they're letting you use the phone, you're good. How you, does that work in a state prison, being a gang member at that age? You get into prison, what do you say? So they're going to ask you who you roll with, and you have to tell them. You're, they're, you're, if you say no one, they're going to say, well, you need to pick someone. Like... They make you pick, basically. They're going to ask you, who are you down with? And if you're with a gang, they're going to designate you to that gang. And Because most of the gangs in there, they, they have designated tables. Gangs sit at this table. They sit at that table. You know? It's, it's, it's ran like that. It's all separated. Yeah. The gangs don't inter, interact with each other. They do if they sell drugs together, but they're not, like, hanging out with each other. You now, know? what kind of charges do the people have that are around you in this prison? What's like the environment? So when I, when I go to prison for the home invasion, they send me a Little Cheshire. Now, Little Cheshire is a bunch of kids with um, heinous crimes. Some of them killed their parents. Um, one kid was in there for stabbing someone with a samurai sword. Um, one kid killed a girl because she didn't like him or something. So Kill. you're with some bad people that Killed are your age. School. I mean, these are Connecticut's prolific cases. Yeah. Some of the craziest things you've ever heard. And there's still gang activity in, in these lot. places. A lot. Now, what do you have to do uh, on a day-to-day -day basis as a gang member in prison? So when, because there were separate times. I've been to prison as a gang member and I've been to prison as not a gang member. So during that two-year sentence as a gang member, what's that like? I wasn't in. I wasn't oh, in you were the done. Gang you weren't tied. When I did little little month bids here and there, I was in a gang. And so it was you just cool. you picked and choose when you wanted to be in the gang and Basically, when you did. Yeah. Wow. I mean, once I got jumped and and terminated out of the gang, I couldn't say I'm, I was in that gang. Yeah, those are my boys. I couldn't even say that. Yeah, but back then, would word have gotten back to them? Like now, it's different. That people could tax their cell phones. And oh shit. yeah, word would have gotten. Word would have gotten back. It's a it's a prison gang, man. Yeah. Like they know, people are going in and out of prison. Like so. It's just a whole different world, like, and to be that young and, and like, I didn't ride in a gang when I was in prison or anything like that. It just, I don't know. It's like fascinating. So when I go to prison, that. when I go to prison and I'm in the gang, they're feeding me, they're giving me soups. They have a kitty. It's called a kitty. And um, if you're a gang member and you don't have anything, they're going to give you food. They're going to give you soap. They're going to let you use the phone. They're going to treat you nice. But if you mess up, in that gang, in prison, they're going to treat you the worst you've ever been treated. I've seen them take people, lay them on their bed, take them, make them take their shoes off and take the shower shoes and, and like spank their feet. And grown men screaming, man. It's, it's serious. Like, 
it, it, it's crazy. You see a grown man like this on the bunk, and they're making him do it. You don't have a choice. And they're just whacking his feet. Bam, bam. Did anything like violent happen to you in prison at all throughout any of your times? So I walk in to Little Cheshire, and I'm terrified. I'm not in a gang. I have no one to have my back or anything. I know, I know what's in store for me. And um, I'm with a black guy, and we're both new to this jail, this prison, MYI. I'm sure you've heard of it. I walk into the cell, and uh, these dudes go, yo, we're going to kill the white boy in sick cell. And I'm like looking at my cellmate, and I'm like, they're not talking about him. They're talking about you. Yeah. I'm the white boy in 6L. So I'm like, fuck, man. So I grab a, they got sporks and shit, you know, the little spoon, and they got a little pencil. I'm like, so I'm sharpening it, but I'm like, I'm going to use whatever I got. And um, they're threatening me all night long, what they're going to do to me when this door opens. And I'm like, whatever, it is what it is. Once I get out, I'm going to fight. So the door pops, nothing happens. These dudes just go get their food, and I'm, I'm like, shocked. Like, you guys were talking all this shit. Where is it? Like, let's, let's get busy now. But it wasn't like that. So everyone gets their food. I get my tray, and I don't know where to sit. So I sit down, and dude comes up to me, and he's like, get up. And I'm like, nah, man. I tell him no. I'm like, I'm not getting up, no. And he just walks away all pissed off. Now I'm like, people are telling me, yo, you're gonna get fucked up. You're not supposed to be at this table. This is a New Haven table. That's Harford's table. I'm like, where's Bristol's table? They don't have one. There is no none. Now if I was in a gang, I'd be good. I'd have a table to sit at. And these are all people your ages about. Well, so they they they're my age, but they're like they're, you know, I don't know if they let steroids in MYI or something, but these kids are not, they're like superhuman, man. So you don't leave the table. What happens next? They're telling me, you're going to get fucked up. The white boy shouldn't be acting like this. Like, and the dude's telling me, uh, well, nothing happens that time. The next time I come out, I sit down again and he comes up and tells me to get up again. The same guy. And I tell him no, but I turned my back and I just kept eating. I, and I, I wasn't thinking. And he hit me with his tray and we start fighting and the whole, everything breaks out and it's just a big fight. In MYI, you're locked in back of this door. And then there's another room and then another door and the CEO is way in there. Hey, they don't care. You've been getting beat down in there. They don't care. It's just They let it happen. They wait for the cops to come in, and they break it up, take you out. Once you get in a fight, they bring you to A and B Cottage, and those are like cottages surrounded by barbed wire. So I spent a lot of time in there, in and out. Once I uh, left there, they sent me down to J Cottage, and I'm like, what's Jay Cottage? I don't know what any of this is, man. They're like, you're going to the hood, man. It's the worst place in this whole jail. I'm like, what? I get to go there, right? And uh, this is where they put all the bad people, the people who get out of SAG, go to, to the, and it's the dirtiest place there. It's all the worst people go there. So they put me there. Now, 
One day, I get a letter, right? And now I'm writing a bunch of girls from high school. You know how it is. You went to prison young, so yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of pen pals, right? I mean, it was cell phones. It wasn't like writing, but well, <laughs> we were like Snapchatting each other and yeah. stuff like that. So I, I, would, I would be writing a bunch of chicks in high school, and they would be writing me back, and they send me pictures. And so I'm showing my picture to somebody, and the, this other guy snatches the picture, and he runs in the cell. Now, Little Cheshire is a 23-hour lockdown, so once he runs in the cell, I have to wait till I can like see him again. Now, he's not just going to give me the picture back. So it turns into a big thing, and me and him are like, fighting over this picture. I want my picture back. And um, so one day I'm in my cell. Now I don't know all the politics of prison by this time yet. And I have, I, I'm sleeping with my face against the wall and the door pops and I tell my Sally, I'm not going out to uh, wreck. I'm just gonna sleep. And he leaves the cell and he left it open. So the dude runs in the cell and starts punching me in the back. And I jump up. And I grabbed my state boot. They had these big black state boots. And I grabbed the state boot and I smacked him with it. And he fell, he fell down and he got up and ran to his cell. And the cops seen him fall and they run in. What happened? But they couldn't see like the camera angle. So um, I end up getting into fights constantly over there and they get tired of it. And none of this is a wake up call to you? Like, no, I'm in prison, so I figure it, it's they can't do anything worse to me. There's can, no like programs, classes, nothing no, you could have done. So no. it's just a free for all, whatever. Well, they're making you go to school in this place if you so. didn't have your diploma. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, nobody in there had their diploma. They're all kids. What are the, like the staff like? Are, are the staff like trying to help you guys, or no. are they just looking at you guys all as lost causes? No, they're all mean, man. They really? were mean back then. They were mean. But you're also mean too. Like you're probably yeah, very I'm a little, disrespectful. I'm a little asshole. Like I'm, yeah. I'm rude to them. I'm swearing at them. I'm, uh, yeah, like bad kids. Yeah, they just lock you in a cell. Um, there's. there's Do you think pictures. if there was like someone there that could like help you? That I think it would have turned out different. Hour a day lockdown for kids that age is is uh, inhumane because a lot of the time I just wanted someone to talk to, someone that I can um, connect with. And that fucked with you mentally. Yeah, they leave you in the cell by yourself, man. Are you reflecting at all about like your actions that got there? Are you thinking like, hey, maybe I by shouldn't have been time, doing no. this? So you're still in that hard rock. Like when you get out, you're gonna go and commit more crimes. Yeah. How do you make money in prison? Because I'm sure you didn't have any money. My, my mother was sending me money. She always took care of you. Always. That was a good mother for yeah. you. She was sending me 50 bucks a week, man. Which is a lot at that yeah. time to live off of. So uh, I think eight months into my first sentence, um, into that one, I get a TV. Now, I was fighting so much. They're like, something's got to give. Like Every time they let me out, I'm fighting. So they're like, we're going to give you a job in the laundry. Maybe this will give you some structure. I'm like, all right. So I go there, I get my TV, right? I get the TV and then I got to work. <laughs> it's like, I wanted to get the TV and just sit back and watch TV and finish my jail sentence. How does a TV work in, in prison? So like, I know the feds, they don't have TVs. We don't have TVs, no. In state, they do. And they cost like 300 bucks for a little TV. It's uh, They have black and white, or you can get a color for more money. You have to wear your headphones with it. And um, they're clear. Back back then, when I got my TV, it was a 
uh, bubble back with the black front. This was by this time it's about ninety eight, and um, I get my TV and I'm working in the in the laundry. Now I had to go to the each cell and pull off the sheets and go with a cart with the CO, and it it would go to from cottage to cottage. It was pretty uneventful, and then um, they changed me to like the laundry room in the main building. So I would have to bring the car all the way to the main building and then I would have to uh, put the name tags on the jumpsuits. They were like uh, tan jumpsuits and they pressed the name tags on. So one time we're in there and this gang, I swear this place, they ran this this uh, jail, the, the prison, MYI. The gangs ran the, this jail. If they wanted something done, they would, they would uh, pay the staff. They'd have them bringing in food. Like one time I heard you say, where'd they get all this McDonald's or something in prison? They, the lady was bringing us Domino's pizza and like other inmates weren't eating that, but we were. So it was cool. Was there a lot of corrupt staff that you would see at all? Little Cheshire was bad. Yeah. What kind of corruption do you see from these staff members? Them letting beat other kids up. So what, would they just set it up, like turn a blind eye? Dude, they would unlock doors. They would just pop a door and walk down the hall. Are they getting paid for that? Or I don't know. I don't think the kids are paying them. I just think- They want like, to see some action. If, so, if a kid is a dick to the cop, they're like, oh, you want to be a dick? All right. And they're just telling them, oh, this kid's a rat. They did that to me. So they take me and um, shout out to you. I tattooed this- uh, Prison guard, too. Once I got out, I tattooed him. Oh, you're a tattoo artist, yeah, too? Yeah, tattoo artist, too, yeah. That's funny. So I tattoo in prison, too. I've never got one in prison, but I've given a lot of tattoos. So you did have, like, a little hustle in prison, yeah. and you would make money doing that. Yeah, and definitely. how much money would you make tattooing in prison? In commissary, it depends. I mean, to me, back then, it was a lot of money. Like, you're getting $60 worth of commissary for a tattoo. It's a lot of money. And it's a lot of stuff. Like, it's a lot physically. When I go to jail and I do a couple of tattoos and I got more commissary than the guy who's getting money on his books and I don't got money, it makes the, the cops look at you like, this guy's got a TV on his desk and he's only been here two days. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. So you go to jail and you have your mom sending you commissary money. What's a breakdown of what you purchase? Like if you're getting 50 bucks a week, what's an, a usual commissary trip look like for you? The max soups every time because, you know, you trade soups. That's like the main hustle in there. Like ramen noodles yeah, and stuff? Yeah. A lot of, uh, I used to buy coffee, um, a lot of candy, you know, a lot of honey buns. MYI, man, it was all, the whole bag was candy. Whole bag, honey buns and candy and chips and things. Like kids, that's what they want. Are people stealing each other's commissary too? Yeah, they're beating up kids. Kids are beating up each other, extorting each other. I mean, kids are nasty in school, so I can't imagine kids in prison. It's got to be 10 times worse. It was bad, man. They would they would put nair in people's shampoo. They would pull like crazy evil pranks on each other. Wow. And then like, so I'm working in the laundry and one day this kid, one of the, the gang members, tells me to watch the door. I'm like, all right. So I just, I'm watching the door and the CEO's walking down this long hallway. It's a long hallway. And this is in the main building. So there's a, another kid in there they, and they don't like him. They're gonna do something to him. So I'm watching the door 
and they they grab them and the the machine that would press the name tags on it would lock down and it would heat up and they take this kid and they put his hand in it and they locked it on his hand it's fucking crazy he's screaming and the ceo is running back i'm like he's coming he's coming he's coming they unlock his hand right before he gets back and everyone's just like i don't know he got burned on the machine that's wild wild things like that so when was the last time you went to prison like that you were done with it uh i haven't been in prison in 10 years 10 and so how old are you 10 years ago uh 40 uh 33 so from 13 to 33 you were in and out of prison All no time. life no stable job and if i wasn't in prison yeah i've had stable jobs what was like I've, your first real job so i get out of prison after this time they uh i start working as a framing houses a framer i framed houses for 10 years 10 years you framed houses yeah. and you were on the up and up at, at that point no no i was catching duis i was drinking i was doing cocaine a lot of that Bill, you're lucky you didn't get like a, a five or 10 year sentence, like straight. I know. You have a, a huge rap sheet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. That's crazy. Like it, it just, it was it was never going to stop until I stopped. Yeah. And I got sober four and a half years ago and I, I'm not looking back. That's great. I'm not in recovery. I tell people I've recovered because I don't have that obsession of using drugs anymore. And, um, what kind of drugs did you use? I was on heroin, alcohol, cocaine. All during this this whole time period? The whole time. And do you think this it wouldn't have been like this if you grew up in like a different town? Or do you think it was going to happen regardless because of like your your personality and your family and stuff? I think maybe the town might have had a, a, a big um, something to do with it. Like what if you grew up in New Hampshire with your Aaron grandma? Hernandez. He grew up where I grew up. Yeah. Look what happened to him. I went the same direction as he went. I've tattooed. I tattooed Aaron. I tattooed Charlie Boy. I did the star and the Charlie Boy on his neck. I used to hang out with them a lot. And um, I knew the things they were up to. I mean, he had everything. That's like that. That's why people like his story, because they're they're fascinated with how a guy has everything gets to that level and is still doing all this bullshit on the side. Yeah, like to still, risk all that. Still willing to risk it to go back to the hood and be around these people. He's from Connecticut too. Yeah. That's crazy that you tattooed. It's the same high school as him. Really? Same, same high school are as we, Are you guys the same age? No, he's about uh, 10 years younger than me. Wow. Maybe 15 years younger than me. So when you finally got done with being a part of that life, did you just leave everyone that was around you? And that is that what it took to get to that next level? So uh, once I I got sober, man, I I... I really had to take a long look at my life. I, I overdosed and um, I don't want to be the person who that people are like, he died from drugs. He overdosed because I know I have so much more life in me. I have so much more to offer people. Like I started this podcast and interviewing people and it started getting bigger and bigger. But I'm trying to step it up to another level. I, um, I was on the movie set with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon about two months ago of the undesirables and it's about a group of guys who go around robbing banks and um, my goal is to be in movies and tv shows and i got a lot of things in the works right now and that's things, awesome what flipped are, uh, that switch though for you to to make that change because if you kept going down your path you'd probably be dead or in prison at this point so what was like that that change of heart that defining moment for you the last time was the last overdose i had I was I was uh, shooting heroin, and this was in your early thirties. 
Yeah, 33. Wow. And no, you're... 33. Uh, four and a half years ago. November 14th. So you were still 2019. Do, you were still doing drugs after you stopped going to prison. Yeah. And that was just to fuel your needs, your wants. What what was that? Just alcohol and you know being tattooing on the street too was a big thing. Like you're tattooing all these gang members. I would be around people who were less savory characters. Not not all great people get tattoos, you know. There's some bad people. Like, I would meet people at a gas station, some gang members. I wouldn't even know them, but they would bring me to wherever with all their other gang members, and they all want tattoos. So I'm there tattooing them for the next four days, and I'm all messed up on drugs. I'm not thinking clearly. Crazy things are happening around me, you know. People are... Like people have been arrested. I've I've gotten into fights and I've been stabbed. I've been You've been through a lot of shit in life. Yeah. And you just finally said like enough is enough. Too much, man. I, I can't be forty four years old climbing up on a top bunk in prison. <laughs> being told when to go use the bathroom. And there are a lot of guys like that though. Like I've met guys that are still strung out and they're still going in and out of prison at that age. They have families and stuff. How's like the relationships with your your family now, your siblings, your mom? I thought it was unrepairable at, at one point. I thought it was it was done like at one point my mother was downfalling into addiction and I had to go turn myself in and I was just like, my life is shit. Like this is this is it. This is what my life is. I get out of prison and my birthday happens and I got no one there, nothing. Like, it's not like, that was oh, rock happy bottom. birthday, Bill. It wasn't that. It was, I got out of prison and no one's there to be like, you got this, man. So I had to really pull myself out of the bullshit and like, when's enough enough, man? And then once I started doing things in a positive direction, it's like, how bad do you want it? How far do you want to take this? Did you ever think about like suicide or All anything the time. like that? All the time. And I think that's why I lived the way I used to live. It's because I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't care about life. Yeah. I mean, that definitely causes like a lot of decisions in that regard, like to do crazy things, like to buy guns or do drugs when you, I think the worst thing that can happen to someone is when like they lose the the will to live in that sense. I hang out with uh, Chad Marks. Shout out to Chad Marks. Um, we went down to Kensington, and I'm just seeing all these people shooting dope, and it, and it brings me right back to that place. I'm like, damn, man, this is not the life that I want. Yeah, it, it reassures why I do what I do. Now, someone with like a rap sheet as as big and large as yours, how has that affected you? Like with housing, credit, jobs, anything like that. I cannot get an apartment anywhere. They deny me everywhere. I used to have a credit voucher for an apartment when I was homeless. They they did not give me an apartment because of my record. They were like, no, we don't want him living here. How do you overcome that? Have someone else rent it in their name? <laughs> yeah, know. but is, yeah. is that like what life's like for you for the rest of your life? Like our, our, our it's like our past, like, supposed to define us in that way like how do you overcome that are there systems there to help you have you looked i mean now that i've been sober for this long i i, I have it in my mind now i'm gonna try to get a pardon i'm gonna try to take care of my old charges if that's even possible i don't even know with my habitual record they said if they see me in court one more time they're not gonna 
see me in there for a long time. Yeah. And I don't want that. I know like time also helps too. Like if, like I know in the feds, like they don't look at stuff past 20 years. So hopefully like at least in your scenario, some of that older stuff, I mean, if you're 40 years old, you shouldn't really be held like responsible for the things you did at 13 years old. Like saying you can't get an apartment because of some stupid shit you did when you were 13. But things happen. Yeah. Like, so I was on the way home from a court date. I had a hit and run. I took care of it, right? My last court date I ever went to. I, I take care of the hit and run. I'm on my way home, driving by a gas station. And I see this guy slapping a girl in the face. I'm like, pull over, man. Because I'm Mr. I'm going to save this chick, right? <laughs> I get out of the car. Go running up, the dude turns around and punches me in the face. Blood everywhere. Cops come, I get arrested. And so, you're the one with the record. And I just left court that day. Yeah. So that was the last time I ever got arrested. Yeah. So I go to court and the prosecutor said, Who got who's the one that got punched in the face? I was like, Me. She's like, it looks like you learned your lesson. Don't come back here. And that was the last time I ever got in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I think in those scenarios too, you just have to be cautious of, of who you're around. Like me, I'm very cautious. Like I don't want to be involved with anyone that's doing anything like remotely shady because I don't want, like, I know I'm at a disadvantage with my record. Like if there's something goes down at like a bar or something pops off, I'm the one that's going to get in trouble first because I'm yeah. the criminal in, in, in their minds. Yeah. So like it, when you have you been pulled over since you've been out of prison? I've been pulled over once in the last four years and it was recently, it was a couple months ago. And I was like, I told the officer right away, I'm like, hey, I just got off probation. So it might still be in the system, um, this and that. And like, I'm like the worst criminal ever. I told the guy I was speeding. I was, he was like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was going a little too fast, this and that. And I was telling him about the probation thing, but- I mean, I still have some like PTSD whenever I'm, I'm around cops or like law enforcement officers or anything like that. Like my heart beats really fast and I, it's just scary because it just like brings back so many memories from the past. Yeah, cops say to you, why are you nervous? Why is your heart beat? They go like this, why is your heart beating? Because I'm nervous, man. It, it's, you have the right to be nervous around them. Yeah, and I'm not even doing anything wrong and you just get nervous. And I don't know if that ever really goes away when you go through stuff at like such a young age like that. Like it's scary shit. I, I get scared around cops still. So I'm at my house, right? I'm doing tattoos one day. This guy shows up. He's like, I want a tattoo. I look at him. It's this cop from jail, from prison. I'm like, this dude used to fuck with me in there. So he notices it's me. And he's like, I see his color drop out of his face. And he's like, he's in my house. And, and I'm like, Yo, you remember me, right? He's just like, yo, I didn't mean all that. I'm like, man, you're good, bro. And I ended up tattooing him. That's tattooed great. his wife's name on his chest. <laughs> it was crazy. So is tattooing like your full-time gig now? No, no. I, that's just a part-time thing. My full-time gig is editing videos, and um, I edit for people, and I, I branch a lot of – I um, connect people with each other to make different deals happen with um, TV networks and things like that. yeah. And that's going well for you? Yeah, it's going really good. And man. it keeps you out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'm always busy. I'm always uh, 24 hours a day. I'm always working at, at my craft and I'm writing a movie right now. Um, it's in the works, man. I'm, I'm around a lot of professional people. And it's what you're passionate about. It's not really work 
if you're passionate about it, like me, I'm always on go, 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 and I'm doing different things, and it, it's it's my passion. Yeah, like if you're if you're always busy with with positive things, you don't have time to get fall into the bullshit, you know. Yeah, like whenever I'm sad about something, whether it's like a relationship or anything in general, if I dive into work and what I'm doing, that takes my mind off of it. That and the gym. Now, Bill, what would be your message to to like your followers, the people listening to this, to that teenager that wants to follow your footsteps and and be like a gangbanger or get involved in crime because they think it's cool. What do you say to those people? I say, you don't need other people to fill that void. Um, look within yourself. You're worth it. I, I always used to believe that I wasn't good enough and that, you know, I'm just, I'm just not good enough for whatever task that was at hand. But I know now that I am good enough and you're good enough too. And, um, it took me a lot to get to where I am now. It took a lot of work, a lot of um, a lot of blood, sweat, and the tears, man. It wasn't easy, but you can do it too, and um, you don't have to live that life anymore. Just believe in yourself. That's it. Well said, Bill. Thank you for coming on the show today. Where can people find you at? You can check me out on YouTube. It's Chatting with Stack Show, C-H-A-T-T-I-N, with, and then Stacks, S-T-A-X-X. Awesome, man. I wish you the best. Thanks, man.